Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, and what you're listening to right now is our new intro. We have music now. Thank you to the Believe folks for hooking us up. There you um, go. We're not hearing it right now, but you hear it as the podcast is playing. <laughs> I don't know how to do that in real time. <laughs> maybe we'll, maybe for next week I'll figure it out. <laughs> but we have new music. Yay. Oh, you, hear, you hear his voice. That's Muggsy Bogues on the, on the line. Muggsy, how you doing? What's up, partner? How you doing? Things are good. Things are good. Um, Hornets are balling out. Uh, we have some injuries, but all things considered, the team's performing really well. So it's really it's really cool. Like, I feel like I say it every week. Um, to some degree, that's it's kind of still a fun time to be a Hornets fan right now. Oh, absolutely. Got to be a fun time to be a Hornets fan. I mean, it is the six Sunday standings right now, the Eastern standings. Uh, they got 12 wins, just the same amount of wins that Boston Celtics has. Yeah. I mean, within 25 games that they played, they're 12 and 13, you know, one game under 500. You got to be pleased with where they are right now. I mean, some of the guys have been injured, but for the most part, the core has been there. And then with the excitement of what Melo has bring in terms of uh, his excitement, especially being in, in, uh, in, uh, been injected into the starting lineup, has really, you know, been contagious for the guys. And uh, and they've been scoring a lot more points than they've been showcased, been showing, you know, 120 points as opposed to 107. That's a big jump. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's dope. It's really dope. And we're going to get into all that. Um, in this episode, also in this episode, we're gonna talk about some non-hornet stuff. Uh, Derek Rose is uh, rejoining Thibodeau in New York. Uh, there's some talk about the All-Star Game. Uh, some of the highest profile, like the the, the top one percent of the NBA is anti-All-Star Game. Like the All-Star of the All-Stars don't want to play in this All-Star Game. So we're gonna talk about that, and then we're gonna close out the episode talking heckling stories uh, from from Muggsy's experience um, in the league. So um, I guess we can start outside the NBA. First, uh-huh. um, the newest thing I would say, because the All Star Game talk has been going, like it's been kind of like it's been like a slow kind of roll uh, thus far as we get closer to the actual game itself. But Derrick Rose traded from the Detroit Pistons to the New York Knicks, reuniting with uh, Tom Thibodeau. They they it was that relationship in, in Chicago, saw it in Minnesota, in, and now it's uh it's in New York. Uh, Muggsy, what do you think about Derrick Rose in general, and what do you think he can bring to the Knicks? I mean, I, I love D Rose, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that you know Thibodeau reached out to bring him um, to the Knicks to to kind of mentor the guys. And not only that, but also to help because D Rose still got some ball left in him uh, to really help and try to get them where they need to be. Hopefully, you know, try to make the playoff or make one of that last run for those spots. Um, you know, that's where he had his most success with Coach Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. You know, two time MVP with him. Uh, went up to Minnesota, as you alluded to, and, uh, and had success with him as well. Uh, D, just a great guy on and off the court. I'm pretty sure guys would love to have him in the locker room. Um, he's always, you know, even kill, not the rah-rah type of guy. But uh, now that he's at this age, at the stage in his career, he's not shy about, you know, lending his voice to what needs to be done because he's a true professional. He's understand what it takes in order to get to that next level and how to conduct yourself as a professional. And I'm quite sure Coach Tib having him in the locker room with these guys, with the young guys, really, you know, resonate 
in terms of the type of culture they're trying to create there. Um, so I'm so happy for him, um, you know, getting another opportunity, another chance to feel like, you know, you got another run at something, you know, at the end of the tunnel in terms of possibly making a playoff. Because in Detroit, you know, things was a little dormant right yeah. now. Um, and he was kind of being on the restriction, uh, so to speak. So I'm quite sure they're going to let him do his thing, you know, as much as he can to help that organization. And I'm so happy that he ran that with uh, Coach Tibbs. Yeah, the Pistons are sitting in last in the East with five wins. And uh, for contrast, the Knicks are in ninth place. So I, I appreciate the Knicks are kind of going for it. You can They could have tanked and made a run at Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham. There's a lot of really good youngsters coming into the league um, in this upcoming draft. And Tibbs doesn't seem here for the tanking, which is good. I, I like that winning mentality. Like, they're going out there to compete. And um, Derrick Rose is definitely a competitor. We've seen it. We all seen it despite the injuries. Like, He's he's yeah. a top tier competitor. What what is there to um like that coach and player bond? Like when you, as a coach, when you find a player you can trust, and when you have a, when you're a player, when you have a coach you can trust, how, can you speak towards like that intangible, I guess, and a familiarity between that coach and player relationship, and how I valuable mean, that can be? Yeah, I mean that's what that's it all. That's everything, you know, the relationship with players, trusting one another, and having people that around you that you know have that same common goal. And uh, and with a player standpoint, I mean, here it is when you're a coach, you know, you can't engage with players, you know, to a to a degree, you know, on and off the court. I mean, off the court is so much that you do just on the court. But as a player and having that guy that you trust, that knowing that he's saying the right stuff, he's also bringing the right stuff as an example, um, is, it speaks value and, and, uh, and it spreads contagious around your players. And that's the type of culture that you want to have in your locker room around your ball club. And, and, you know, so when the coach feel like they need to reach out to a type of player that brings that type of uh, stability, that type of leadership, that type of culture to your program, you know, especially that still have some gas in the tank, you know, more times than not, you know, they, they try to go out and, and make it happen. And here it is. They was in a situation to, you know, to bring back D Rose, uh, like I say, he still has a little. He still has left some left in his tank, and I'm, and I'm quite sure Coach Tibbs sees that, and they want to, you know, it's a win-win for both situations. And for Dennis Smith, getting an opportunity, Dennis Smith Jr. Now, you know, hopefully he can rejuvenate himself and resurrect his career down in Detroit, you know, because he's a talented player. Uh, we can't forget about how talented and skillful this kid is. Uh, but from some odd reason for getting bounced to from Dallas to New York and now here to uh, uh, to Detroit, you know, they got to be saying something. And then you got to look yourself in the mirror, you know, and say, hey, you can't be all everybody else. Sometimes it got to be me. And hopefully he can great, turn his kid, uh, turn his career around because he's a great kid. I got an opportunity to coach against him when I was playing in high school. And I got an opportunity to meet him while he was in the league. And hopefully that, you know, because he's a great kid, you know, come from great genes and hopefully he can kind of get his stuff together because he's so talented. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good luck to everybody involved. Um, yeah. Um, the Pistons organization um, they made some interesting moves in the offseason. I'm not sure where they're like where their focus is, but hopefully the players in there in, on the in the in the with the franchise now mm -hmm. um, can excel um, in their new surroundings. But. Kind of looking um, on the other side of um, the spectrum, in a way, 
the All Star Game uh, is approaching next month. Uh, when this when this new season started, there was plans for no All Star Game, just the All Star Break. Um, I guess they would have just named an All Star Team and just kind of went that way and let these guys rest and recuperate um, during that stretch. Uh, but within the last like week or so, uh, the league announced that they're going forward with an All Star Game um, on March seventh, and um, the biggest stars in the league, LeBron, Giannis, Carmelo, Kawhi. Kawhi. Kawhi doesn't say anything. Um, <laughs> has have spoken out against this game. Um, Muggsy, what do you what do you think about the All-Star game happening now? Like so also just real quick, we're recording this Tuesday um just before 6 p.m. So this could change by the time this podcast go out. So okay. goes out. so you know, the NBA may listen to their, their star players here and be like, hey, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't do this. But uh, what do you think about the All-Star game, this conversation around it, the players speaking up against it, and the decision at this point right now to move forward with it? Well, let's put it this way. You know, um, it's a Leeds players league. Uh, now you got guys that are speaking up against going. And um, and I'm quite sure the league will listen to that, um, even though right now the schedule to go forward with the, uh, with the All-Star uh, game. Um, I don't know how that's going to look because you got so many elements that goes along with not just the game, you know, things that surround it around the game, you know, the challenges and um, and all the other stuff that goes on the slam dunk and so forth. Um, so how they would they create that and how and will fans be involved? Um, so it's a lot of things that's going to be, you know, talked about and continue to be uh, speculated and, and decision to be made. Um, but again, if you got those guys who are saying, hey, they have concerns and, and those are the guys that are going to be the ones that probably, you know, represent the All-Stars. So um, I'm quite sure Adam Silver and his staff in the league always ahead of, them, ahead of themselves in terms of making sure that we all are on the same page going forward and, uh, and that we will reach a common goal when it's time to do so. Um, so. With that being said, I don't know if it will take place, at, you know, because you guys are now speaking up because those guys are some big voices that's, you know, yeah. that's being lent to not going. Yeah. And uh, as a fan, like I, I'm happy that just basketball is back. I'm, I'll say like, I'll trade the regular season like I'm for the All-Star game. Like I'm give me the regular season and give these guys the week off. Uh, I'm cool with just regular season basketball and postseason basketball. I don't need the All Star game this year. Like, let's just get these guys help. Like, let them rest, let them stay safe, and let them gear up for the second half of the season. Um, yeah, because I mean, uh, to be truthful about the All Star game is really for the fans. Yeah, you know, it's not the players. I mean, players there to entertain, but it's more that's for the fans to get the fans the opportunity to engage with the players, and you know, because they don't have an opportunity to be that up close with them and that type of freedom that they have during the All-Star game. Um, so that's really more or less what the All-Star game is for. So yeah. fans can't be there, then, you know, sometimes like with the ball. Yeah, and it's if a game does go forward um, or if it just ends up being a team, the Hornets may have some representation there. Uh, Gordon Hayward, I think, was like slotted in ninth, I think, in All-Star voting. Yeah, right now he's a little slided out. Oh, he's easy to uh, slide out. Uh, as you say, he's ninth. You got him. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's uh, he's 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 in there. Among he's in the, the east. Mix. Among the east, yeah, yeah. So he still has some ways to go, I guess, to like yeah. solidify a spot. But uh, it's nice to see 
with a little Hornets logo. The name, the name there, there yeah. that says Hornets right beside it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, he was playing like an all-star. I mean, like I said, we caught it within the season. Uh, he's putting up some, you know, unbelievable numbers on a nightly basis, on a nightly basis. And, and, and pretty much, you know, I want to say he's the leader of that team. Yeah. Uh, he's the leader. He's the leading scorer in the other team. Um, he's the one that kind of, you know, how he goes, we, they go. Um, but Melo has now become a really uh, initiative in terms of how the tempo of the game is being played. And that's what coaches love when you have a player who can control the tempo, you know, forcing action all over the court on both ends, defensively getting rebounds. And then um, that's, a, that's a win-win situation when you got something like that. But who knows? I'm looking forward. We hope that uh, Haywood get that nod to being an all-star. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It'll be a nice little like middle finger to everyone who's like, oh, the Hornets overpaid. What are you guys doing? All the people, people trolling on Twitter about the Hornets franchise and stuff like, <laughs> what now? But uh, well, time will tell if we get to- Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, yeah. Uh, we'll, we talk, you brought up LaMelo. Um, he's next on our on our docket here. Um, he's starting. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about his first start last week. Um, he's starting under um, uh, not great circumstances. Uh, injuries to the roster. Terry Rozier went down mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. And then uh, PJ went down. Mm-hmm. And then Devontae went down. Mm-hmm. It was just like, so the five changed a lot during that stretch. Uh, Bridges uh, got into the starting five at one point, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, Melo's been able these last five games to to start. And Dude. it's been really great. <laughs> I mean, it's three and two. Yeah. Um, in, in those five games, he played around 34 minutes each game. Uh, 22.6 points per game, six boards, six assists. He's shooting. This is this is the the thing that's blowing my mind with Lamelo. He's, he's averaging seven three attempts per game the last five, mm-hmm. and he's mm-hmm. making half of them, more than half of them. And then from the from the floor, he's uh, taking uh, 17, 18 shots per game, and he's making 44 percent of them. So he, Lamelo shooting the ball is something that. Is it's an element that can take his game to the next level, I think. And with those with his playmaking ability and rebounding ability, he's going to be a problem for the rest of the league. His confidence is growing, and now that I think he understands, you know, that trial at the beginning, you know, how they mm-hmm. was able to play him, you know, protect his minutes, uh, bring him in. But now he got the taste. Uh, of uh, what it feel like playing against the first string and how to now have success against that first string. And he's playing with the utmost confidence. And when you have a young player like that, with that type of confidence and the ability that he has, I mean, it's going to spread amongst the team. And uh, now that you see that the points has increased, you know, they used to be, you know, ranked 29th and, and scoring, you know, not only not, I mean, only probably last and scoring and scoring, averaging only 107 points. They average 120 points now. And that's a big jump. Mm-hmm. And that's allowed, that's more easy baskets. That's more up tempo basketball. That's guys feeling good about themselves, spreading the ball. And um, 
And when you have that type of uh, enjoyment out there on the floor, you know, it normally leads to success. And, and at the helms of it, it's little young fella Melo, you know, who's, again, you know, starting to understand how to play that point guard position, how to control it, and how to not only be an impact on one end, but realize he's been an impact on the other end as well uh, with the deflections, hands, yep. you know, coming active. up with loose ball steals, rebounding, pushing it. And that's been affectionate amongst his teammates. And you can hear, you know, Malik Monk when he did his interview about how all I got to do is run, you know, you know, young fella going to find us. And, We're seeing uh, lobs to Miz, man. Like, and start, yeah, and the lob, because well, he had that control and know yeah. how to feel for the game. And when you're a point guard to have that understanding, um, you know, you like playing with a guard, a point guard like that because mm -hmm. I run, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get, an opportunity to score and do what I do best. Yeah, and even um, we caught Magic Johnson's attention. I say we like him on the team. The Hornets play, got caught uh, Magic Johnson's attention. Uh, he tweeted out how exciting the Hornets are to watch. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's cool. More people are paying attention to the franchise, which is a, a deserved and also appreciated because uh, we, we get to share what we see with other people. It's great. Um, and yeah, and I told this, I think I was on another podcast and um, and I mentioned about how the Hornets excitement it is and and how electrifying they are. And if fans was in the arena, they'd be going crazy right now. And it's not a team that it's going to be a team that be reckoned with not only local and, and the state wise in terms of the excitement and enjoyment, but on the national level, they're going to be a beloved team. You know, because of what that young fella is able to do and, and the youth and the youth and excitement he brings and how he plays it. And that, and that could be something that I think the Hornets could be getting ready for to be known on that national stage once again. Yeah, like Melo here playing here, and this is a team winning games. We'll, we'll yeah. make more Hornets fans. Like people who've never been to the state of North Carolina will follow the Hornets on Twitter, on, mm -hmm. on the internet, on YouTube or whatever. And they'll become Hornets fans because of how they're playing, this style, <coughs> um, this competitively. Like, even – That's what one it I, does. I can't even – like, I still can't get over the Rockets' performance uh, from the other night where they held the Rockets to seven points in the fourth quarter. Like, that was a game they are going back and forth. It was – the lead was changing throughout the game. Um, no yes. one was really pulling away. In the fourth quarter, they were really like, all right, we're winning this game. We're, we're not playing around anymore. And they stepped up defensively, which has been a huge um, – Cause of concern, especially around yeah. the three point line, where the only up by three points going into the fourth quarter. So to hold them and to be able to, and then let the young fella hit seven threes in yeah. the game. I mean, he, he averaged seven, and here it is, he knocked down seven of them. Madness. I mean, that's feeling it. That's feeling it, and, and having fun out there. Uh, but that's the that's the growth of the team, and that's what you want to happen. And you want the guys to, you know, not hang on the lows in terms of when we don't play well and as well as on the win. But they're trying to keep that even balance. And, you know, and I love what the coach staff is doing with the team. Um, the guys are right there in the thick of it. Um, they got a big challenge coming up with this road trip. Um, but right now, uh, Memphis, uh, I think, will be the next one they got to face. Mm -hmm. yep. And that would be a good challenge for, you know, to see what they could do with that game. But. You love this two-game um, double-figure by 20 type of uh, win. And it lets you know that, hey, 
we can do it if we go out here and, uh, and put it all together on both ends of the floor. And you, also, you know who also loves it? Nick Richards. He got to play. <laughs> they got the mm-hmm. Hornets had a lead. Nick Richards came mm-hmm. on and he got active. He was, he was sending <clears> in bounce passes from the top of the key. He was getting rebounds. I think he had a couple of dunks over the course of mm-hmm. two games. So we got everyone caught a glimpse of Nick Richards, who very, 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 very small sample size. Um, so it's hard to get too excited about anything. But um, I like the way he moved on the court. Um, just first impressions. Love to see him play more. Um, hopefully we get to see more of him as the season goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, so things are things are looking good, I think. Um, although, caveat, Devontae Graham, uh, he's, he's been ruled out for the Grizzly game, uh, for the Memphis game uh, with that groin injury. So hopefully we get him back soon. Um, when Devontae is fully healthy again, how do you anticipate mm. him fitting Ooh. into the team? Like, do you, do you anticipate him going back to the five or into the starting five, coming off the bench? Um, what do you think? I had to uh, get choked up there, mom. Uh, one day. Uh, well, you know, that's, that's going to be a coaching decision there. You know, it depends on how the team is playing. You know, you hate to lose your starting position, you know, as an injured, you know, when you're injured, you know, no one, you know, the rules say, you know, you can't lose your job as a starter. Uh, you can't lose your start position once you get hurt. But it all depends on how the team is playing and how well they're gelling, uh, where D. Devontae is health-wise in terms of how he's feeling, how many games has he missed, how long has he been out. Um, so, you know, that's all going to go into the coach's decision when making that. Uh, but I'm quite sure, you know, with the team that they have, no egos over there. I think guys are really understanding that, hey, it is what it is. I'm going to get my minutes. Uh, but, you know, just stay ready when the opportunity comes. Um, so I, have, I don't think it's going to be any different uh, when Devontae get healthy again and when he decide to come back. Um, so, but uh, again, if the team is gelling and Melo got this team playing uh, up-tempo, winning basketball, you know, that's a hard decision to kind of take him out the lineup. Mm-hmm. And um, it, we saw, I mean, we played, when we played the Sixers, that's a very tough opponent. We didn't have Terry or PJ that game. And we got a glimpse at the bench without two of our, two of the, two of the uh, franchise's best players being out. Um, and with Devontae back in the mix and having the options of, like, hypothetically, you know, mm-hmm. if, if Devontae is the sixth man and he's in that first, like, when he's in that second unit with Bridges and Monk, hopefully, that's a trio off the bench that is really solid. Um, I think a lot of teams would be jealous of that. Those three guys. That's, a, that's, 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 a, lot, that's a lot of power, uh, scoring power right there yeah. um, coming in. Um, if D can accept that role, um, because it gives so much versatility, because it gives you another point guard, not only that, but another scoring point guard that has that ability to change the tempo of the game and, and so forth. Uh, it reminded me of Van Fleet back in the day All when right. he was uh, coming off of uh, Toronto when he was on that championship run. So uh, I can see that. You know, I really can see that. Um, in that regards, uh, and it can work. Like I said, it all depends on continuously how this unit continue to go out there and play. And um, if that's something that's still happening and, and you're winning, quite sure that Coach uh, JB gonna, you know, have a hard decision to make in terms of again wanting to change that lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm excited. 
I'm always excited to see the starting five get tweeted out by the, the Hornets Twitter just to see now that now that we're in because for a while we knew they could have used the same graphic every night like we knew what we we're going to see <laughs> uh, each time each uh, each time the Hornets games were coming around. But this now it's getting a little like a little entry game within the game action, um, which is which is really cool because that means we have options and who doesn't love options? Um, so up next, we have the Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Spurs and then the Bulls again. So I look at that and I want Devonte just to chill. Like it's a soft tissue injury; those things can be recurring. Like make sure he's right. Not, like I, I'm, I'm gonna regret saying this again, like I did last time when we played the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies aren't the toughest opponents in the world. Um, maybe we'll be okay without him. Just make sure he's healthy. And so when he does come back, uh, when we got the Nuggets, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Suns, we can really like stake our claim and push up the up the standings in the East. Uh, when those tougher games come around, but and those are on the road too, aren't they? Yeah, the, yeah, that's a hell of a yeah. Jazz, we have the Warriors at home, and then Jazz, Suns, Warriors again, Kings, Blazers, and then the Timberwolves to close out the first half of the season. So uh, yeah, it's we're we're running out of games in this first half, so it's uh it's interesting, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but like the way we are, yeah, yeah that's far. Most definitely, most definitely, it'll be and it'll be like going into the year. I thought the Hornets had a good shot at the very least finishing in like that the playing zone. Right, the playing right. Uh-huh. If the Hornets can avoid that altogether and like finish six or, or higher, even better, even better. Yeah, well, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect Miami to be where they are. Yep. You know, right there. So you figured that. You know, they will probably make a jump in some sort of way, as well as Toronto and something. So, you know, again, we control our own destiny. We worry about us. Mm-hmm. And if we continue to keep doing what we're doing, because we got some quality quality wins in there, get some quality teams. And um, But it all comes to if we can win on the road. You know, you got to be able to win on the road and, and get some wins. Um, and, um, and then come home and make sure you protect home because, yep. you know, you protect home, you know, you got 70, we used to always say 82 games, 41 home, 41 away. Now you got what, 72 games, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, you got to break that down to where, how many, who get that all game at home. Um, uh, so you 31, 31 now was 35, 30, 36, 36. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what it is. You get thirty six home games, thirty six away games. So, you gotta make sure you protect home. Most is most important. That's how you kind of keep yourself in that hunt. You know where you know because that road could be very challenging once you get out there. Almost definitely. Um, well, speaking of the road, and uh, the segues nicely into uh, what, we, what I teased, I guess, at the beginning of this podcast, hecklers. Um, we. Uh, the the courtside Karen incident happened between recordings, so we didn't get a chance to really talk about it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the the specific, I want to take it away from the specific incident itself, right? Because um, it's kind of old news, really, at this point. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I want to talk to you, Muggsy, about any uh, experiences you've had with hecklers uh, during your playing days and how you how you deal with it, or like any crazy things you've heard um, on the court. Yeah, well, I mean, hecklers is always at arenas. I mean, especially I mean, Cleveland. You had the one in Cleveland with a man with the glasses on. Mm-hmm. Always was there uh, heckling all the the opposing team when they come in, uh, as well as Washington. You know, Washington uh, Wizards uh, now. Uh, they were the Bullets back then. 
always had the heckler right behind the bench, and he was a lawyer. And I recall one game, <laughs> here it is, we playing the Bullets, and Coach uh, Gene Littles was our coach. He decided to call Tom call time out. And our assistant coach was Tom Nasalk. He was uh, uh, one of our assistants. And myself, Rex Chapman, and all us was on the, on the team. So Rex wasn't too happy with what was going on with the situation. So he decided to tell the heckler behind us that our assistant coach had a toupee on. And uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> And Rex, so he was like, why? He said, yeah, Coach Thomas Salky has a toupee on. So it was quiet in the arena. The timeout was taking place, and the heckler stood up and howled, oh, Tom Nusalki, oh, Tom Nusalki, <laughs> that's not a toupee you're wearing, is it? Oh, Rex Chapman said, you're wearing a toupee. Uh, so, man, he had everybody Dying laughing in there. So that was one that stood out. And then last but not least, we had one that we went to Detroit. I was with the Washington Bullets my rookie year. And um, they had a heckler in there. His name was Leon Love. Yeah. Leon Love, he always got on the player, sat right again, like sat right behind the opposing bench. And the court that Detroit had was always lift above the seat. So we kind of had our seat where they had the above court. So we sitting there. Watching the game, I'm sitting there, you know, before I get up, before I'm about to go in. Um, so Leon holler, hey, Manu, hey, Manu, why don't you sit Muggsy on your knees so he can see the game? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he's always kind of hollering about those type of things, man. But hey, he talking about wanting to bust up because you know you ain't getting in the game, told Manu that. So I mean, but those guys like that always stood out in the uh, in the arena, man. It was so much fun. They, they, you know, it was all in fun, though. Yeah, no, yeah. One, no one crossed the line. Like everyone no. knew, like it's we're here for the spirit of the sport. Yeah, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, nobody talking about your mama, none of that yeah. type of stuff. Your wife, all that stuff. So, but it was always personal towards you, <laughs> you know, because we had a guy, you know, Jerry was another guy that he got on. Yeah. That's Herman. I heard your name was Herman. <laughs> There's a telephone call. It's Dean Smith. He said, Herman, JRE, you can read. <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff. But it was funny. It was funny. Oh, man. That's awesome. Um, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's unfortunate with no fans in the building. We, we're, we're limited to yeah. The, yeah. the viral stuff. And toxic that. stuff, but because like you know, it's is what it is. Thankfully, all folks aren't like that, like mm. that incident. And people are more playful, I guess. Yeah, um, in what yeah. you've experienced. Uh, Unfortunately, that happened. Thankful that everybody you know apologized and moved on. Yeah, because you know, at the end of the day, it's not that serious. Oh, definitely. Like it's it's just yeah. a game at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this has been fun. This has been fun. Um, before we say goodbye to everybody, Muggsy, is there anything else you wanna you wanna get into? Well, you know, uh, you know, I, th I think we got to give thanks or uh, homage to my man Tom Brady. We saw a Super Bowl oh, yeah. to take place that, you know, gosh, that a 43 man we thought we'd never see someone on the end of the pinnacle holding that Lombardi Trophy, you know, as a as a Super Bowl champion. So I'm a salute to Tom Brady yeah. and the Bucks and my man Godwin. Uh, I mean, Godwin. 
Yeah, I wear Godwin. Damn, yeah, my man Godwin. Godwin, number 14, he had my jersey on one day at the podium. Oh, right. So I got, we got to give my man Godwin a shout out and, um, and congratulate him for winning Super Bowl T. Antonio Brown, Udonis, all those guys, Evans, man, first time winner. So it was amazing to watch. You know, I'm sad that Kansas City, you know, wasn't able to overcome, you know, because they had a lot of injuries, you know, going into that game. And even though they was the, the, the guys that was considered the favorites, but, and, you know, sad thing happened to, you know, Coach Reed and, you know, his situation now, because even though I never met him, I just admire all what he stands for, what he represent, and, you know, so my shout outs to them guys and, you know, on to another one, buddy, on to another one, yeah. you know, on to another one. Also, um, we, Muggsy and I were on the Believing in Kentucky podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, if um, same network um, on the family network. So if you're listening to this, go check out, go check that out. Go check them out. Um, Vinny and Tony Delk, uh, they were gracious enough to have us on. I was, for me, it was amazing just to be a fly on the wall to listen to Muggsy and Tony Delk talk about um, the NBA. Like that was, that was so, that was a pleasure to, to listen to um, about like going in. I fully expected to be talking about PJ Washington for like an hour. But it went a completely different direction, which was not like I love PJ Washington, but it was it was great to hear what uh, you and Tony had to say. So if you listen to this, go check out Believe in Kentucky. Um, it's on all the same platforms this podcast is on. So uh, do us a solid and uh, tell them we sent you. But uh, tell me, I enjoyed the partner. You know, appreciate you uh, each and every week. Yeah, same here. Same here. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to the Believe in uh, Hornets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll catch you next week. Cheers. See you next week, bud. <laughs>